Book 10, Chapters 11 through 14 of Of the Love of God by St. Francis de Sales. Translated by H. L. Sidney Lear. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book 10 The Command to Love God Above All Things. Chapter 11 How the Love of God Leads to the Love of Our Neighbor god made man in his own image and likeness and in like manner he has given a precept of love between men which is also an image and likeness of divine love thou shalt love the lord thy god with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind this is the first and great commandment and the second is like unto it thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself matthew chapter twenty two verses thirty seven through thirty nine wherefore do we love god st bernard answers that the cause of our love for god is god himself his being the very essence of all goodness why should we love ourselves because we are made in his image and forasmuch as all men share this privilege we are bound to love all as ourselves that is as living and sacred images of god it is from this point of view that we behold our weak selves so closely and tenderly bound to god that he vouchsafes to call himself our father and thus his children it is through this that we are capable of union with him of receiving his grace and of becoming partakers of the divine nature as st peter says two peter chapter one verse four and thus the same charity which produces acts of the love of god similarly produces acts of love to our neighbor like jacob's ladder whereby the angels descended as well as ascended one and the same dilection raises us to union with god and brings us back to loving sympathy with men and thus we love our neighbor because he is the image and likeness of god created in order to be the object of divine goodness to share in his grace and glory he then that loves his neighbor in charity loves god in man and man in god he loves god alone for his own sake and man for god's sake when tobias was led by the angel raphael to the house of raguel the latter looking upon him forthwith exclaimed how like is this young man to tobit my cousin and raguel asked him from whence are ye brethren to whom they said we are of the sons of nephthalim which are captives in nineveh then he said to them do ye know tobit our kinsman and they said we know him then said he is he in good health and they said he is both alive and in good health and tobias said he is my father then raguel leaped up and kissed him and wept and blessed him and said unto him thou art the son of an honest and good man but when he had heard that tobit was blind he was sorrowful and wept 
and likewise edna his wife and sarah his daughter wept tobit chapter eight before knowing who he was raguel felt kindly towards tobias because of his likeness to his father and afterwards he blessed him not for his own sake but because he was the son of an honest and good man and truly when we remember that our neighbor is made in god's image and likeness ought we not like raguel to dwell upon that likeness as a cause of love and that not for his own sake but for the sake of god who has vouchsafed to impart his own likeness to his creature who is made in for and by him nor does divine love merely enjoin the love of our neighbor but actually produces it and fills man's heart with it so that even as man is god's image and likeness all holy love of man for man is a true image and likeness of his love for god verily this is a subject which calls for a work specially upon it and this perfection of love for god combines a perfect love of our brethren chapter twelve how love brings forth zeal just as love ever seeks the welfare of the object beloved rejoicing in it when present seeking it when deficient so does it generate that aversion which shuns all evil which might befall the beloved object and seeks to avert or conquer it this warm love intent on the welfare of its object we call zeal which is neither more nor less than ardent love if that love be good so is the zeal which it kindles if the love be perverted so will the zeal be jealousy is a manner of zeal the chief difference being that whereas zeal considers nothing but the need of averting whatever might injure the beloved object jealousy thinks most of hindering anything that can interfere with its individual satisfaction in that object when men bestow ardent love on earthly things beauty honor rank or riches such zeal or ardent love is one to degenerate into envy because all such worldly concerns are so mean low personal and finite that the possession by one impairs the possession of another and in proportion as they are divided among many there remains less for each or when a man passionately desires exclusive affection his ardent zeal becomes jealousy because our human frailty is inevitably beset with such imperfection that when friendship is shared among many there remains less for each and so we cannot endure rivals and if any appear jealousy is at once kindled which albeit resembling envy is yet a very different thing thus envy is always unjust but jealousy may be just if not excessive as for example in married people who have a right to object to any inroad upon their mutual affection 
again envy repines at seeing another equally fortunate with itself albeit one loses nothing thereby but jealousy does not grudge another's good things so long as they do not infringe upon our own rights for example the jealous man cares not whose affections his neighbor wins provided his own love be not meddled with there is no rivalry until he becomes doubtful whether the beloved object is not partly won whatever he may have felt before was envy not jealousy again envy does not imply detraction of its object on the contrary we invest him with all the merits which we envy but we despise the man of whom we are jealous and esteem him as vile and fickle jealousy springs from love envy from a want thereof jealousy has special reference to love but envy extends to all manner of temporal advantages we may envy others for being loved but in such a case the real exciting cause is not the love they win but the advantages accruing from it a courtier is not often jealous of his rival's favor with their prince so long as that favor is not expressed in the shape of temporal gain honor or wealth chapter thirteen god is a jealous god i the lord am a jealous god deuteronomy chapter five verse nine the lord whose name is jealous exodus chapter thirty four verse fourteen what manner of jealousy is this at first sight it seems somewhat like the jealousy of husband and wife for god would have us so wholly his as to belong to no one else no man can serve two masters he demands the whole heart and soul and mind and strength he calls himself the bridegroom of the soul and speaks of unfaithfulness to himself as fornication and adultery and inasmuch as he has the fullest right to such poor love as our unworthiness can offer surely we had needs give him all we have to offer supremely good he has a claim to supremest love and supreme love must be whole and undivided but this jealousy of god's is not sensual it is a pure friendship in which our interests not his are concerned our love is only valuable to him for our sake and he delights to impart his love to men without receiving any benefit thereby hear his generous tender jealousy as expressed in the words my people have forsaken me the fountain of living waters and hewed them out cisterns broken cisterns that can hold no water jeremiah chapter two verse thirteen he complains not for his own sake wherein is the fountain of water the worse if men draw not of its life-giving stream but he sorrows over his people who forsake him to their own destruction whatever is taken from man's love to god is man's own loss and therefore he pleads earnestly 
for our love. Set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm, the heavenly bridegroom says to the bride. Her heart indeed was full of love for him, but in his holy jealousy he seeks to seal it up so that nothing be spread abroad, neither anything extraneous find admittance, for he can tolerate no rival. Her love must be his, holy and alone. And because he demands not only the heart and its affections, but the life and its actions, he will have his seal upon the arm to pledge it absolutely in all its work to his service. Love, he goes on to say, is strong as death, for just as death forcibly separates the soul from everything, even the body itself, so love, when ardent, separates the soul from all other affections and purges it of all impurities. And therefore love is not only strong as death, but cruel as the grave, that is, inexorable in punishing the wrong done by any share given to a rival, however slight. The meek dove becomes furious when his jealousy over his mate is roused. You may see him lighting near her, murmuring, cooing, and striking her with his wings when another bird has been near, albeit she has given him no cause to complain. David, after being forgiven his grievous sin, in consequence of the fervent love shown in his penitence, was severely punished for what might seem to us the comparatively venial sin of numbering his people. 2 Samuel chapter 24 Nowhere do we find this jealousy more clearly and delicately defined than by St. Catherine of Genoa, in speaking of the specialties of pure love. When perfect love is jealous, she says, it can bear no intrusion or participation, not even of God's own gifts. Its very longing after paradise is in order to be closer to his goodness, who sets eternal bliss before it. Such love is a lamp wherein is not save bright fire and flame, which no floods can drown. And they who abide steadfast with these lamps burning experience the holy fear of a pure bride, not the shrinking fear of a faithless wife. Their fear is altogether diverse, St. Augustine says. The one fears her husband's absence, the other his presence. The one dreads his departure, the other his appearance. The one is jealous by reason of her exceeding love. The other is not jealous because she does not love. The one fears punishment, the other fears nothing save any lack of love. Not that she really fears to be unloved, as they do who think only of themselves, but she fears lest she herself fail worthily to love him who can never receive his due meed of love from his creatures. And thus her love is not selfish, but noble and generous, a love which flows on to those around. For if we love our neighbor as ourselves for God's sake, we shall be jealous of him also for God's sake, 
even as we are jealous over ourselves and in that spirit we should be ready to die for his sake but forasmuch as zeal is a very ardent passion it needs to be wisely and cautiously dealt with else it easily oversteps its due limits and then zeal turns to anger and lawful affection to unjustifiable passion but to enter upon a complete analysis of zeal would carry me beyond my bounds and i will only observe here that those who are zealously inclined will do well to consult those set over them in the lord before they let their lives be moulded by zeal chapter fourteen our zeal or jealousy for our lord a certain painter having been commissioned to draw a horse at full speed represented him lying on his back with his legs in the air when the person who had given the commission remonstrated the artist reversed his picture pointing out that thus the animal appeared to be at full speed if you want to see of what sort your jealousy for god should be reflect how far you are jealous over earthly matters and then reverse the picture and you will discover what god requires for himself take as an illustration the light of the sun and of a little lamp they who enjoy the sun's light are in no wise envious or jealous of one another for they know that there is enough for all and that one man's gain is no loss to another and that each enjoys it as thoroughly as though no one else shared in the welcome rays but when it comes to a little lamp each man would fain appropriate the light to himself and he who gets possession is envied by his fellows earthly advantages are so mean and poor that he who attains them must do so at the expense of other men even human affection is so frail that what is given to one is more or less taken from another and so we are jealous and impatient of rivals or fellows god's love is so boundless and beneficent that all creation may bask in its warmth without any one lessening the portion of another it is inexhaustible although it fills the universe and when all is full it is still whole and undiminished the sun's rays light up that rose you gaze upon as though the millions of other flowers it expands did not exist and god sheds his love on the individual soul as though there were none other the work of his hand neither does the outpouring of his love diminish its inexhaustible infinite wellspring but wherein lies that jealous zeal which it behooves us to cherish for god first of all in hating shunning hindering and doing battle as far as lies in our power against whatever is in any way opposed to his will his glory or the sanctification of his name it grieveth me when i see the transgressors because they keep not thy law psalm 119 verse 158 
as for lies i hate and abhor them psalm 119 verse 163 do not i hate them o lord that hate thee and am not i grieved with those that rise up against thee psalm 139 verse 21 mine eyes gush out with water because men keep not thy law psalm 119 verse 136 my zeal hath even consumed me because mine enemies have forgotten thy words psalm 119 verse 139 i would root out all wicked doers from the city of the lord psalm 101 verse 11 such was zeal as david felt it he not only grieved but his grief consumed him he would fain root out whatever was displeasing to god and in the same spirit of zeal phineas took a javelin and thrust through the israelite and his companion in sin of whom we read in the old testament numbers chapter twenty five and even such was the zeal for his father's house which led our saviour himself to drive out thence those who profaned it with their commerce john chapter two verse fifteen next godly zeal kindles an exceeding jealousy in us for the purity of other souls for example st paul telling the church of corinth i am jealous over you with godly jealousy for i have espoused you to one husband that i may present you as a chaste virgin to christ 2 corinthians chapter 11 verse 2 even as eliezer had been jealous over the purity of rebecca when he was taking her to be his master's bride so saint paul was jealous over his converts not for his own sake but for god's sake on whose behalf he dealt with them for them his solicitude led him to say i die daily 1 corinthians chapter 15 verse 31 and again who is weak and i am not weak who is offended and i burn not 2 corinthians chapter 11 verse 29 remember our lord's own illustration of the hen's jealous care of her young no animal is more timid till she is a mother but once let her have her brood to guard and she becomes bold as a lion with watchful eye and alert step mounting guard over them and ready to fly at the most unequally matched foe if they are in peril such is the jealous zeal of parent for child of pastor for his flock of brother for brother how jealous jacob's sons were for the honor of their sister dinah or job lest his children might have sinned or saint paul for his kinsmen according to the flesh on whose behalf he could even wish himself cast out or moses asking that he might be blotted out of the book of life if only his people might be forgiven it is the characteristic of human jealousy to fear lest the object of its love fall into the possession of another but the only dread of zeal for god is lest we ourselves be not sufficiently possessed by him 
human jealousy fears lest it be not sufficiently loved christian jealousy fears lest its own love be not sufficient in this spirit the bride of the canticles cries out tell me o thou whom my soul loveth where thou feedest where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon for why should i be as one that turneth aside by the flocks of thy companions canticle chapter one verse seven she fears lest the companions should in any way distract her and is steadfastly minded that the pleasures and honors of the world should not absorb one particle of that love which she has wholly consecrated to her beloved lord and saviour end of book ten chapter fourteen